podcast. All you have is the moment. I am in complete and total control over my seconds. And now I can be as happy as I choose to be. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is the incomparable Chef Babette. Babette is a vegan chef, of course. You might have intuited that. She is the owner of the plant-based restaurant Stuff I Eat in Los Angeles. And she's basically just an unstoppable force of nature. I just love movement. I love knowing that I can move. I first came across her at this big gala fundraising event for Mercy for Animals here in town and pretty much knew immediately upon setting eyes on her that I wanted to share her powerful story on the podcast. So here we are. This is such a good one and it's all coming up right quick, but first. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt technology technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailored fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. 
We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. Okay, Chef Babette has been featured on Inside Edition, The Chew, The Steve Harvey Show, and other television shows. And she's the author of the dessert cookbook, Cash In on Cashews. She also chronicles her daily fitness journey on social media, which is super powerful. But perhaps the most impressive thing about Chef Babette is that she didn't actually even get started with a healthy vegan diet or even exercise for that matter until she was in her 40s. And she didn't start her restaurant until her 50s. Each and every one of us has to determine what is important to me about the gift of life. This is a person who grew up in East LA, weathered an extremely challenging childhood that involved things like sexual abuse. She spent years addicted to drugs and processed food, suffered from a myriad of health issues, and basically managed to overcome all of that to become this truly inspiring example of transformation. And now, at 72, she's crazy fit, ripped, just radiant, her skin is insane, and just this living testament to the idea that it's never too late. I started with one push-up, and every day I would add a push-up. Start with one. Babette brings the heat today. She delivers the goods with uh, more energy and enthusiasm than I've seen across this desk in quite a while, and at the same time was also very vulnerable, open and quite candid about the traumatic experiences that she survived in her early years. I could sing her praises all day long. She was such a joy to spend time with, but uh, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. This is me and your new inspirational role model, Chef Babette. Are you ready? Because we got a lot to talk about. I'm so ready. Oh, so nice <laughs> to have you here. What a delight to have you in the studio. So excited to get into it with you. I mean, first of all, you look fantastic. You came in, your energy is like through the roof. Your skin is radiating. Your outfit is like off the chain. Like everything about you is positivity and like love and welcoming, this welcoming energy. And, you know, I mean, just when I walked in here, you guys were already here and I was like, wow, this is like, I can feel it. Thank you. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I don't even know where to start because there's so many things I want to talk to you about. But let's start at the beginning. Why not? Yeah. Tell me about growing up, your relationship with food, with fitness, the whole evolution. I want to hear every beat of the story. Oh, my pleasure. I love to share. Um, my life has been quite a journey, but you know that's that's what it is when we come to this planet. We're on a journey. And um, as a child, I went through quite a bit. I um, was molested at five years old by a total stranger. Mm. Um, and I know I was five years old because uh, my sister was in the crib in the next room <laughs> and I'm five years older than her. Wow, is that, is that uh, a memory that stayed with you or it never a memory left. that you retrieved later? Never left. I never told anybody, it was actually the babysitter's son. Now, I don't know if this guy was an adult, but I was five, so he came up to my bedroom, did whatever he had to do, and then he left. We both went downstairs where his mother was doing laundry. I stood on one side of her, he stood on the other side of her. Nobody ever said a word, and I never told anyone until I was an adult. What was the inflection point that caused you to finally talk to somebody? It was a conversation that I was having with my mother. But prior to that, you know, I had been with different caretakers because my mother came from North Carolina. She had a third grade education, but she was bound and determined not to be on welfare. She did domestic work. She cleaned, she cooked. And um, she worked two and three jobs. So obviously we needed caretakers. Mm -hmm. um, my brother was 10 years older than myself and he was a kid that was always in trouble, juvenile hall. So he wasn't necessarily in my life. It was myself and my younger sister. I had a godparent that had actually christened me and my mother felt very comfortable leaving me with her. Mm -hmm. She was the seventh day Adventist, right? Exactly, yeah. but mm -hmm. she was cruel, was very, very cruel. Um, there was a time that um, she told me I had to make a pallet, wash all the dishes. She had guests that evening. She said, I want you to wash all the dishes and then I want you to make yourself a pallet and go sleep in the garage with the dog. As I was attempting to get the pallet together, her husband said to me, what are you doing? And I said, well, Godmother wanted me to clean up the kitchen and then make a pallet. Now I'm only around seven, eight years old then. Uh, she wants me to go sleep in the garage with Booger Bear, that was the dog. And he said, go to bed, I'll clean the kitchen and don't ever, ever, make a pallet to go sleep in the garage with the dog. Now, I never heard any more about it, but I, I'm sure he had something to say to her. So I went through that all week. And then my stepfather, who was Italian, my mother had a, a loving heart, very open. So race was never anything that we dealt with. Everybody was the same. Mm -hmm. And that was the one great thing in my life. But he would come to pick me up 
and he would sit me in his lap and pretend I was driving the way home as he fondled me or whatever. So I had to live with her during the week and go through all of the pain of being mistreated with her. And then he would pick me up on Fridays and then I had to go through all that. And that was after the babysitter. That was after the son. babysitter, yeah. Cause now I'm three, four years older. Oof. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty nuts. Now, you know, I think about my mom determined not to get us on welfare. We weren't gonna be a part of the system. No, I'm not doing that, I'm gonna work. But what if we did receive welfare? Would I have been able to be there with her? Would she have been able to watch me more? As we make our comments and our judgments towards people who receive assistance, sometimes it's needed. Mm. But she did what she felt was best. Mm -hmm. So the reason I wound up telling her, I was late in my 20s when I finally told her about her husband and the babysitter, she was making a comment, uh, a negative comment about my first husband who was a childhood sweetheart. And I said to her, which I know it was extremely painful at the time, I said, well, perhaps he doesn't come home and endorse his checks and sign them over to me. But there were some things your husband did that my husband would never do. Mm. And they were done to me. And she was like, what? are you talking about? And I told her and she said, I saw him pat you one time. And I told told him that if I was not enough for him, he should leave. It stopped. So Mm -hmm. obviously she did say something to him. I never knew why it stopped, but it stopped. But when those types of things happen to you as a young person in your formative years, I suspect that makes it very difficult to trust other people or to you know, embrace the, you know, the idea that the world is a safe place. Like the world is dangerous. Your mom doing what she thought was in your best interest entrusted you to certain people who betrayed you profoundly and you carrying that around for so many years as a young person. How do you, you know, grapple with that and come you know, out like with the, the sort of attitude that you have now? That is such an awesome question. And I was giving that a lot of thought last evening because the pain didn't stop there. When I got married at 21 and had a child, my spouse was addicted to heroin. So you can imagine Mm -hmm. what kind of life that was. Mm -hmm. I decided not to go to college. I went and got a job immediately out of high school. And we were married for quite a number of years. And then I met someone else. We divorced and he was abusive physically. So I've been cold cocked. I've been picked up and body slammed. I've had my head run through a wall. Wow part of the journey, but it doesn't end there. So when I'm done with him, I meet someone else. This particular person had me smoking crack cocaine. Wow. (laughs) Part of the journey. 
Yeah, how old were you then? I'm now in my 30s, you know, um, but the crack cocaine was um, so debilitating. And what we did was he and I, I, I was working for the airlines when I started using the crack. The guy that kind of used to whip me around, he was a drug dealer. And then after I left him and I was living in Denver, Colorado, after I left him and moved back to Los Angeles and um, met my brand new person, we decided we were going to cook crack cocaine, form the rocks and sell them. And that's how we would make our living. Mm -hmm. Well, he liked to snort it and I liked to smoke it. So you can imagine where that lifestyle yeah. was going. <laughs> a lot. It was Some a, chaos. It was a hot there. mess. Yeah. Wow. And um, I can remember being at my mother's home in the bedroom where I grew up. Now we grew up on the east side of LA, Washington Boulevard and Central Avenue, mm-hmm. went to Thomas Jefferson High School, 20th Street Elementary School, Carver Junior High School. So I was an east side girl. Right. I can remember sitting in this bedroom after smoking these rocks and going through a piggy bank. And I can remember it was like a voice said, so that's who you are now. The piggy bank that you had as a kid You're in going your childhood through room. A room. piggy bank. Yeah. That was the very last time I ever dealt with cocaine. Yeah. I mean, it's not that different than, you know, sort of crawling through the carpet, looking for the tiny rocks that might- Baby, I smoke so much cornbread. Look. (laughs) Yeah. Child, look. But did you, were you able to just stop or you say you have this epiphany? stopped. Yeah. When that voice came to me- No or anything like that? I never went to anything. I stopped when got a job with Republic Airlines and reservations. And I can remember the very second paycheck. I can remember driving on the 110 freeway and saying to myself, man, got this paycheck. You could really get high today. And the other voice said, and mess everything up. Mm-hmm. I have never looked back. Never looked back when yeah, it came to that's that. That's powerful. That I mean, is not powerful. that many people. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. Yes. for most people to I overcome and to do it kind of on your own is I very unusual. I did it. Yeah. And I'm so proud of myself that I did it. But I, I, I'm just now sharing this story because I've walked in so many different shoes, Rich. I, I know that there's somebody out there that can identify with what I'm saying right now that knows exactly what I've been through. Sure. You know what I mean? I have to share. It's part of the journey. It's part of the experience. And what I've done, because I, I embraced the love. I met my current husband. He turned me on to the vegan lifestyle. He wasn't even vegan. So now I'm reaching that point where healing is about to begin. Mm-hmm. And um, I read two books, Fit for Life by Harvey and Marilyn Diamond and the Mucusless Diet Healing System by Professor Arnold Errett changed my world. Let's put a pin in that for a moment though, because you just turbocharged through <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff that I don't wanna <laughs> bypass too quickly. Okay. I'm curious about how you, you made peace with the tumult of your childhood, how you, you know, kind of worked through the pain of those abusive situations that you were in. 
embracing love. I As mean, a choice. It was either be angry, judgmental, all of those things. Those, those things are not going to heal me. To take responsibility for being the human that I am and knowing that going forward, each and every second of my journey, I'm learning every single day. I'm not running 100, obviously, mm -hmm. but I learn every single day. Love is a lot easier than hating. Now, I have said, and I just learned this a few weeks ago, I've said, I don't regret not one step of my journey. And I had someone say to me, you should regret it. Those were horrible things that happened to you. What's important is that you didn't wallow in it. That's what's important. Right, and regret is usually associated with something that you did. And these are things that happened to you. Exactly, exactly. But, but now I, can, I feel it that way. I, I, I regret that man came up to my room and did that to me, but I didn't stay there. I embraced love and that is where I am now. It makes me wanna cry. It's like, I could be a bitter old cranky lady, but I realize I have each and every second guaranteed to me and I am now in control of those moments. And if there's anybody out there that has gone through anything and you feel like you just, just wait a second, just wait a second and be in control of those moments because it means everything in terms of this journey and your life experiences and what I feel like I was called to do. Now I'm the hot vegan, mm -hmm. 72 years old. You can't mess with me now. <laughs> I <What>? know. <laughs> now that's, I mean, that's undisputed, but um, I think that journey has a lot to do with cultivating self-love, like you were a victim of horrible situations. Yes. And I think it's very common and you know, to be expected that those experiences foment a sense of, of shame or a sense of worthlessness that make it very difficult to hold yourself in, in high regard. So where does that instinct within you to revere yourself so deeply come from? Is that the result of a, a spiritual practice? Is that something that you just have always had within you? Like how do you, you know, sort of embody that sensibility of self-love such that, because you can't give love and be of service if you're not Thank you. in healthy self-regard of That's yourself. so true. You know, I, I, I think as, as a child, I think it was always there but because I was so frightened, I was scared a lot. I was scared a lot that I was always gonna be in trouble, that something was, was gonna happen to me. And then as I grew, and because I was raped, I was raped once, had to have an abortion. So when people have the conversation about mm. abortions, I'm like, I, I paid $80 for an abortion. Some woman came into my, my home and gave me a, a, a douche with uh, something really weird. I think she went to jail after that, but it was like really weird. So if anybody ever offers you anything like this, the women say, no, thank you. But it was ivory liquid and pine salt. <sighs> yeah. Oh my God. And I paid her $83 to do that. Later on, I think she did go to jail for really hurting somebody. But um, 
I don't, I don't know. I, I walked into this church, City of Angels, and the person that was the speaker or the minister of that church was O.C. Smith. God didn't make little green apples. You remember him? Mm. O.C. Smith. I know, but I know Agape and Yeah, well, I was there Michael too. Beckwith. I was there yeah. with, in, at Agape and um, O.C. just spoke to everyone. I don't care if you were a professor sitting in that audience or somebody with, like my mom, a third grade education. He spoke to everyone and I knew right then and there I'm home. Mm. It was all about love. It was all about now. It was not living in yesterday. Because he used to say, yesterday is a canceled check and tomorrow is an IOU. All you have is the moment. Mm. What do you choose to do with your moment? And I just started living that. I got a teary eye. But... It was that that started resonating with me. I have the moment. I am in complete and total control over my seconds. And now I can be as happy as I choose to be. And that is where I stay. Empowering to have agency like that. It's wonderful. It really and true. Now that's not to say I don't shed a tear because honey, I've shed some tears, enough tears to drown. But I always, I I know where to go now to bring it back, Uh to reel it in, to say, this is your time. This is nobody else's moment but yours. What are you going to think? How are you going to feel? Are you going to laugh? Are you going to cry? What are you going to do with this moment, this now? When I see people, I hugged you as soon as I saw you. I believe in the oneness of the universe. I'm I'm just somewhere else now. I believe that we all we're created by the same intelligence and that we're one in this. I don't care about complexions. I think diversities are, we need to be embracing each and every one of our differences and learning to love one another. And that is what has gotten me through. And that is why I don't wallow in yesterday. And I ain't really too worried about how I'm gonna pay the rent tomorrow because I got now. Yeah. Intellectually, I'm 100% there, but in practice, this is something that I struggle with. Like I woke up this morning melancholy and thinking about things I could have done better the other day or a stone that's unturned that I should have turned over or a choice that I made that wasn't, you know, kind of in alignment with the person that I want to be and I'll beat myself up and I'll run a tape and I'll loop on it. And then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and think about it. Even though I know everything that you just said is true, making that leap from understanding to practice, to actually living it in the moment to moment is challenging, right? And you've seemed to have mastered that. I have my moments. I have my moments just like you. I'm not running a hundred. I just remind myself at 72 years old, sweetheart, I figure between now and 28 years, that's what I have. That's the time I have. And I don't wanna be as miserable as I was. Mm. So I remind myself, even if somebody hurts my feelings, I'll either have a, a gentle conversation with them. This is how you made me feel. 
let's move past this, or I just let it go. I take responsibility for it, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. You are totally responsible for you. And I'm responsible for me and my feelings. And that's the good news and the bad news. It, but but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. And we've been given the power. That is a beautiful thing, Rich, to have the power to determine what your moments are going to feel like. That's power. Mm. I take and accept that power. Mm. So you have this realization. How old were you when this kind of came into your awareness? I was probably around in my late thirties, yeah. you know, something like that. And during Mid-30s. that period of time, you, you had all these different careers. You worked for the, the airlines, <laughs> but you were, you were a hairdresser, right? And you were a, a singer and then you were like singing in Tokyo and like, there's all kinds, I mean, like there's so many layers, like the chef thing is like the most recent thing, but yes. you did a lot of things I before. Floral arrangements, yeah, I was floor, a balloon yeah. designer. I did. <laughs> balloon it, designer? I did all actor. kinds of stuff. All, you know what? But isn't that the beauty of the journey? And especially a little girl coming from the east side of LA mm-hmm. that we had nothing to be able to say, life is still good. I wanna see what more it has to offer. And I'm just gonna do me. I decided not to go to college, so mm-hmm. I didn't have that. But you know what? I was, <laughs> I had a lot of gifts. Yeah, I was singing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how you end up meeting Ron, right? How do you know all this stuff, Richard? I, I do, have not even had a I conversation do, with you, I do Rich. a little bit of homework. <laughs> try to understand who I'm gonna be sitting across from. I should say, cause I was gonna say it at the outset, like you're here because I was at the Mercy for Animals gala benefit and they gave you an award and they showed this video yes. and you got up and you accepted this award and you gave this impassioned speech. And I didn't know who you were. And I was like, I don't know who that person is, but like, I need to know more about her. I need some of that energy in my life. Like I'm getting her on the show, you know, come hell or high water. You learned everything that is so adorable. I love it. Okay. What did you just ask me? How did you know about Ron? You met Ron through, you initially met him through, didn't you audition? Well, actually, he had a friend that um, I was still eating fish. I was at the fish market buying some dinner. I had um, <laughs> I had just gotten rid of all the men in my world. And so you needed to get rid of those yeah, guys. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, used, I used to be a hairstylist. I, so I, I had a um, like a little salon created on my service porch. And um, I went to the fish market and I met this guy, Ron's friend. And they had a band. And so they invited me over. I said, yeah, well, I'm a singer. They invited me over to come and audition. And I did. And that's how I met Rondo Davis. Mm -hmm. And he actually prepared my very first vegan meal for me. And it was amazing because food, that was another thing that was hard on me. I had eczema, asthma. I was a wipeout, couldn't couldn't digest my food because I just ate the standard American diet and it was killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he prepared this beautiful vegan meal for me and he uh, offered me those two books. And um, I thought he was kind of cute, you know, so, okay, I'm gonna read the books. I'm not really that big of a reader, but I'll read these books. Best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. 
there. So fit for life and the mucusless diet healing system. <laughs> okay. I've heard of fit for life. I haven't heard of the that other book though. Yeah, but Professor Arnold Arrett. It's all about reducing inflammation that's essentially. It. And right? that's what he believed. Arnold Arrett believed, I don't care what name you give a disease, you're pretty much just inflamed. Sure. <laughs> so, well, all of this are chronic lifestyle right. diseases that we're suffering from. Yeah. Whether it's obesity, heart disease, et cetera, you know, can be tracked to the level of inflammation right. that we have. And that inflammation is a result of the foods that we're eating and the exactly. lifestyles that we're living. Exactly. So prior to that, though, paint the picture of your relationship with food and exercise, you know, as a, as a person, the pre, I guess we're talking about the pre Ron. Well, you know, I was, um, when I was a a kid in high school, I was really fast. I could always run really fast, a great sprinter. But when I got my first job, I just kind of sat down like everybody else. I stopped moving. Mm -hmm. And when I met him, it, it, it has to be Ron. When I met him, our first date was going up running the hills at Griffith Park. Well, he ran the whole thing backwards. And I kept thinking to myself, something is wrong with this man. Right. And I couldn't understand. I kind of like, like him, but I don't what? know if I like him that much. I don't know if I like him yeah. that much, really. <laughs> How many more inclines? And he would say, oh, just another one around the corner. But I thought to myself, because he was only two years older than me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, if he can run this whole thing backwards, I'm struggling walking. One of these days, I'm going to be able to run this hill. Mm. Yeah. And the food part. The food so what part. was your diet like growing up? Pre pre Ron pre Ron's first Look, meal. Honey, give me a pig. I ate everything from the rooter to the tuta no. I actually ate chitlins. <laughs> I actually cooked chitlins. I cooked chitlins. Uh-huh. I saw the poop in chitlins and still boiled them and ate them. So, you know, I just I I you ate do everything. What you do. This is the, the culture sugar. that you mm-hmm very hard on me. Um, I could hardly wear anything backless. Now you can hardly keep me out of something backless. Like I said, my skin was just ripped. And every single month I broke out in my face like with a rash. That's every crazy month. because your skin is absolutely Isn't that incredible? Perfection. Isn't that incredible? Translucent. Yeah. Isn't it? And it was all diet related. It was all diet related. Unbelievable. I finally learned, started uh, treating myself to massages and scrubs. And I was like, ooh, 72 and you got skin that feel like this? Uh So it was just a brand new world that just I entered into with healthy eating. I could eat and I wasn't making the loudest belches on the planet and I wasn't constipated constantly. It just, everything just got easier. And then with the movement, I got stronger. So now I feel worse if I'm not moving than I do keeping it going. Yeah, it's not dissimilar from my own story, which also started at 40, changing my relationship to food, finding a plant-based diet, and then having that resurgence of vitality and energy that got me interested in yeah. movement and fitness for the first time in a long time. And those two things kind of you know, overlapping each other is a very powerful really combination. It really is. Yes. And I heard about your story too. And I thought about, man, he was doing that thing around the same, I mean, you know, the same age yeah. as myself. Yeah, you know? I think at 40, you know, that's a moment where 
you start to reflect a yeah. little bit yeah. on like, am yeah. I on the right path here? <laughs> exactly. You know, you're, maybe you're a little more open to some changes than you would otherwise. And it was a line in the sand kind of thing for me, just like it sounds like it was for you. Like mm-hmm. you, all right, so you go on this hike with Ron, he's running backwards, he prepares this meal, he gives you these books, you read these books, the light bulb goes off and you kind of like, basically just cross that line in the sand and that was it. Just like putting the crack pipe down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And now it's very important to take responsibility for myself and my feelings. No matter what, I take responsibility for those things in particular. But it wasn't always like that. I did a lot of finger pointing and if it wasn't for you and if it hadn't been for that and if Mm -hmm. I would, you know what I'm saying? The victimhood. The victim. And um, it doesn't really serve me in my life to be the victim. I don't need to hold grudges. So how did you make that switch? Just understanding, and that's happening right today, Rich. It's been a gradual thing Mm -hmm. for me to understand um, because I can cry like that. It's not always coming from out there. Why are you really crying? Why is this really hurting you? You know? Um, So... I take responsibility for me. And I just think it's important for each and every one of us to do that and to understand that they're all learning experiences. I just appreciate this human journey so very much because from whence I came to where I am now and my voice being bigger and bigger, I would have never thought anybody would ever even listen to me. Mm. But to now share that human experience and embrace love, that is the key to all of our issues is love. It really is. I can't say it enough. Yeah, it's certainly something we need a little bit more of right now. We need a whole bunch more of it. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple, search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you, I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. 
when you or a loved one need help. Go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I feel like that relationship with love and connection with each other and an appreciation of the wholeness is a little bit fractured right now. It's very fractured, but that's why we are individually responsible. Each of us, you understand when each of us takes on the responsibility of embracing love and understanding that there is no separation. It's like, I am just an expression of my creator period. It's like I can't make that amazing mac and cheese I made today before I left the restaurant without it being also an expression of me. Yeah. And so I know that I believe I was created in and of this power of love. And so I feel better in that space than I do anywhere else. Mm. I feel like I've known you forever. My mother never met strangers. And I remember that as a kid. I was like, this lady talks to everybody. (laughs) What's wrong with her? She never met a stranger. People loved her wherever she went. I'm her now. Mm -hmm. I just want to embrace you. I just want to love you. I'm not thinking about anything else. I don't want to. Yeah. It's a beautiful act of service also to embody that natural disposition but also as somebody who makes food to prepare food with that love and then give it to somebody else. Mm. Like that is, you know, there's a, there's, there's just something beautiful beautiful. about that. Right. And I know like, obviously I get the sense that all the food you make is injected with your, you know, very specific vibration uh, of love. Like it's a transmission of energy. There's a sacredness to that. my moments, I'm human. When I have those moments, when I'm, somebody has said something to me in the restaurant or Rondo said Mm. something to me in the restaurant and I have to remember the energy. I have to remember (laughs) me touching this food and I'm handling food. Calm down. It's a practice. 
oh my gosh, is it a practice? Oh, we've been in our screaming matches before uh-huh. because we're it's real. I'm not trying to paint a picture to you that comes off like I'm Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I get trust you. Trust that. But awareness is what I have now. Awareness and appreciation of the innate fallibility of the human condition. Yeah. You know. Yes. Um, yes. And to you know make space for grace with that. Yes. Right. So you have this kind of awakening moment, and you're embracing the vitality of the foods that you're eating and learning to prepare. But when does the light bulb moment of like, I'm going to now take what I'm learning about food and make it an offering for other people? You know, Ron and I, um, we we dated for two years. And so I met him in 1990 mm-hmm. and we got married in 1992 and our lifestyle was pretty cool. You know, we injected movement in that and we've got a healthy diet, we're feeling good. And I'm thinking this food is really good. Maybe we should share this. So after I went to Japan, I thought I was going to be a singer. But when I was over there, I was cooking for everybody and working out. And I was like, you know, my thing is really, really movement and food right now. Mm. That's where I am. So when I got back to the States, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to maybe have myself a, what do you call those uh, company where I, I can prepare food for people if they're having parties, catering, catering. That's what I thought I was going to do. And um, Ron eventually asked me, would you like for me to help you in this? And I said, sure, why not? So we had an opportunity to go over to Agape Spiritual Center and uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith allowed us to uh, bring our cart that we had built on the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And we began to accumulate block long lines. What years was this? This was like, okay, um, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh-huh. I don't even know, Rich. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's 2022 I'm, now. I'm trying to think. Were you there? I was. Yeah. <laughs> no, my wife and I would us. go to Agape. I mean, we, we, we didn't go Slauson, every- On right? On Slauson? In Culver. In Culver City. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe 90, 2000, 2002, three, around that era, we, we went pretty frequently and we would eat. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure early, I, I ate you, your food. You, I'm then. sure you ate my food. Yeah. It had to be the early 2000s too, because we were on the parking lot for six years. Uh-huh. And we, okay, 2004, we got the building on Market Street. We had no money. In Inglewood. It was a gift in Inglewood. Yeah. The owner just almost gifted us the place. And I remember it was 2004, it took us four years to open the doors because we had to get in there and try to fix everything up. Right. And um, so, yeah, I was I was on the parking lot at Agape for six years. So it had to be the beginning, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, early Pretty 2000s. Sure. Pretty sure I yeah. enjoyed your food yeah. at some point. Yeah, that. it was great. They were wild yeah, rice yeah. tacos. Long lines. And they were pretty popular. And I had this souped up, it was like a souped up hot dog cart. And we had a griddle refrigeration. We uh-huh. could make smoothies on the other side. It was just awesome. And we'd set up every Sunday and um, yeah, it was great. And then we wound up opening the rest of the doors in 2008. We didn't even have table and chairs. I think we had the three bistro tables and chairs. We didn't even have trash cans, but we opened the doors because I heard 
that if you open the doors, the people will come. Mm-hmm. And sure enough. But that's when Mercy for Animals, they really put us on the map. Yeah. They really did. Did uh, business go through the roof oh, let after me tell that? You. Let me tell you, when oh, they did great. that first video of me, the uh-huh. first one, it was the first time we ever had lines like that. We couldn't yeah. even keep up. We wow. couldn't even keep up. It was so incredible. the food cart at Agape in the parking lot is almost like perfect training wheels to figure out like, how do you make a business out exactly. of this? What are the recipes people like? So that by the time you're in the restaurant, you kind of have an understanding of what to do. We had already basically, people had already tested the food. We knew it Mm -hmm. would sell. We knew people liked it, you know? Um, And the only other thing that we added because we were in Inglewood, it was predominantly black and brown community at the time. Um, We hadn't brought the soul food platter into it. So it was still just tacos, burritos, the enchilada pie, that. Mm -hmm. And had to be the only plant-based restaurant anywhere around there. On our side of the street, it it was a desert. There was not Mm -hmm. too much going on downtown Inglewood in 2008. Yeah. But people would come in and, you know, no chicken, no, no meat. What is this? And um, I would treat them to tacos, come back, try my taco. But I had to put the soul food platter on the menu. Yeah. It was vital. But you were chasing people down I, the street yeah, and were running I, I, out I, I, and giving them free I, I, food I said, to come back rope in them in. Here and let me give you a taco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much it, free food did you give away? I might've given away a whole bunch of free food, <laughs> yeah, but guess right. what? But Some you get of the those people became, customers. they became perfect customers. Mm-hmm. And I still have some of those customers today. Yeah. you know. Well, what's interesting is, first of all, you, you make the decision to, to open the restaurant in 2008, which is the peak of the recession. Yes, it was. And you decide to open a organic plant-based, <laughs> you know, cuisine place in a food desert and offer it to a demographic of people who, you know, aren't inclined to, know. you know, be favorable to that. Was I just, who did I? No, but like, I, I wanna understand like how, and, and now you've made it work. Like I wanna, you know, you got through the pandemic. I wanna talk about that. But, you know, when we talk about healthy eating, plant-based or not, like how are we educating people about how to take care of themselves amidst, you know, mm-hmm. healthcare crisis, in which increasingly, you know, more and more people are succumbing and falling prey to these chronic lifestyle ailments that are entirely avoidable through making different choices. And also ailments that are disproportionately impacting communities of color mm-hmm. and lower income, you know, neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So on some level, like, do you feel this calling uh, or a sense of responsibility to, try to do something about this? Or was this merely an expression of your passion and a way to create a business around it? Like, how do you think about those broader issues about health, nutrition, diet, disease, and uh, you know, and how it impacts your community? It was all about a responsibility. It, it was more than just uh, creating a business for myself. Mm. Cause trust me, I did not have to put a salad on every plate. And we were the two, my husband and I were the two people that would come by your plate and be like, the only life on your plate is that salad. Do you need a to-go container for that salad? Uh-huh. You need to eat that salad. even if, and Browbeating <laughs> the customers browbeating. who were willing to at least come in and pay. Now you're gonna scare them but off. What I started learning um, through studying the China study, just, you know, just increasing my knowledge about 
my lifestyle, if you will, and what I'm sharing with the message. Now, we created a, um, I'd like to say that our menu is one that helps you transition. It's a transitional menu. Um, I have a lot of belief in eating food live. I, I know that that is the best food for me to grab hold to because mm-hmm. I know that every time I'm cooking something to certain temperatures, I'm killing the life in that food. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So I would explain to people, I put a salad on your plate so you have some life on your plate. This menu is a transitional menu, but it'll take you away from clogged arteries and some of the horrible diseases we're faced with today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would always sit down with people and talk to them, not browbeat them except for the salad, but, but just share with them. Like I, I would always make this example. You love chicken? I love chicken too. I didn't quit eating chicken cause I didn't like it, but check this out. If you burned yourself and it blistered, What's in the blister? And they would say, "Mm, pus or body fluids. And I'd say, okay. So you take that piece of chicken, you stick it in the oven, you pull it out and you open it up. What is that stuff oozing out of that chicken? And they'd go, and I was like, (laughs) they taught you that that stuff easing out of that chicken is juice. It's body fluids. It, you've subjected it to temperature, high sure. temperatures, you've cooked it, and now it's, that stuff is oozing out. But you would never prick that burn. You would never think about pricking that burn and sucking those juices. <laughs> no, you would not. I would do that. Yeah. People come in and they tell me that story. <laughs> A lot of them have transitioned uh-huh. because of that. Yeah. Because I don't think we think enough about what we're eating what we're really eating, what we're really ingesting, we don't give enough thought to it. I used to think everything sold in the supermarket because of all of our governmental agencies that's supposed to have our back. I used to think everything, if it's sold in the supermarket, it's okay to eat. Mm. I really thought that way. Do you know how many of us think that way? Most people, or if they think about it at all. Think about it at all. Thank you very much. So. They survived those lessons from Chef B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. Um, how has it like impacted the, the the sort of community more broadly, though? Like the Inglewood community, like I, I, you know, like so much of it is an entry point, right? But then they're going to go home and they're going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, healthcare is about follow-up care too. And I would consider you to be a healthcare practitioner, mm-hmm. the truest sense of the word. But really, changing people's habits in a sustainable way is as much about education and follow-up and accountability, and creating kind of a, a community, you know, bond over a certain value that takes root. You know, more of that is happening now that I'm older, because of who I am today, people believe me. I think they believe me more than they did when I was younger, Mm -hmm. you know? They don't understand how can you do 75 push-ups at 72? Why are you still running that hill 
at 72 years. Why do you still look like that at 72? It was self-love and self-care. And now um, I have people coming in saying, you know, you taught me about such and such a long time ago when you guys first opened. So now I hear more of that, you know. Um, but the beauty is that the change on the planet right now. I just came from St. Martin and they had vegan. Mm -hmm. So you know what I'm saying? They sure. understand vegan. So because of uh, documentaries like some of the ones that we've seen that got people kind of fired up, it's made my job and my place in the community more welcomed. And um, it just has made my job easier, if yeah. you will. Well, I think what you're doing is I would argue, you know, more important than the average person who maybe is your age or eats well or even has a restaurant in that because of the fact that, you know, these chronic ailments are disproportionately impacting communities of color, you need role models and people to look up to who are, you know, living a certain lifestyle mm -hmm. as educators and inspirers because the vegan movement or plant-based or whatever is often characterized as an aspirational kind of high net worth lifestyle that you know isn't accessible to most people right so and true. how can you do it on a budget how can we make it more accessible and affordable especially in food desert communities where all they have is a bodega and a fast food restaurant on the yeah. corner they don't even have a supermarket with the healthy options amongst the unhealthy options at the same mm -hmm. time and that is really like we're not going to solve this problem and unless we solve that problem, which I think is the biggest problem and the communities that need the most education, assistance, help, et cetera. Mm, you're absolutely right about that. And I, um, I would have to agree with you. Ron and I made the decision because, and that's why we named the place Stuff I Eat. Mm -hmm. um, we're pretty much organic. Uh, that cost us a grip of money. Right. But um and that's we gonna raise it, the prices you know obviously in the restaurant. We brought it to a community where they could have cared less about organic. But that was one of our teaching points. If you try to get organic if you can. But if you cannot, try to stay plant based. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't and isn't that simple, but Doing what we've done, we've been a gift, I'd say, to the community because when they couldn't go anywhere else, they knew we were there. And then they would bring parents in that are not feeling good. Can you, can you suggest to us? Or my child has a lot of die. I heard you had asthma. What did you do for that? Mm -hmm. And that's when the, the gifting begins, educating, sharing right. where I've come from, what I've been through, what Rondell has been through with all of those who care to know. And um, it was a very important purpose for stuff I eat to be there then and now. And thank God we made it through COVID. Yeah, I mean, how did you do that when it closed so many restaurants? Uh, we wound up um, just opening up, what was it? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days a week. Mm -hmm. We shut down For just takeaway or- and For um, just takeaway. And um, we had to let go yeah. quite a few employees. So we're still down very limited on employees. Um, we're just coming back. Mm -hmm. We're still not 100%, but we're not going anywhere either. Yeah. As a matter of fact, 
we're now contemplating um, a Stuff I Eat Express, uh, more of a franchise situation. Oh, cool. Uh, probably won't have the soul food platter in there, but the easier, you know, because mm-hmm. like I said, I make my own burgers. Everybody loves a good burger, but they're clean burgers. I, you know, I decide. And, and mm-hmm. that's another thing. We don't feed people out of boxes and, say, you know, I, I like fresh food. Everything kind of comes from plants and uh, nuts and seeds, and it, it works that way. Uh, except for like, uh, I just I just beefed up my mac and cheese because I kind of want stuff I eat to be known for some serious mac and cheese, like grandma's mac and cheese, yeah. but vegan. <laughs> so I've done that, but with other like a than, cashew sauce. Yeah, cashew a- cheese actually, sauce. Um, we're using just one of the uh, non-dairy uh, milks water and mm-hmm. um, some of the vegan cheese mm-hmm. uh, to do that. But I'm putting more cheese on it. And so it's coming off like the traditional mac and cheese instead of just this creamy out of the box mac and cheese. I no. got you. Oh, yeah. But one. as a transition food, as an entry point, yes. if you can deliver on that, yes. then you yes. got a customer oh. who, you know, you can pivot or kind of push them towards the salads. 100% is so stuff, true. Right? But t- you know, they're eating their salads now. <laughs> yeah, they're okay. actually, you know, I don't they, doubt it. I mean, know? listen, <laughs> it's one thing to profess a healthy lifestyle or give somebody the science or have them write a book. But I think what really impacts people the most is when they see somebody who is a living example of there a certain lifestyle and they're doing it in a yes. way that is is aspirational but still like you know not so far out there that they can't see themselves in that person and i feel like you serve that role beautifully in many categories. I mean, first of all, as somebody who's been eating, you know, an organic plant-based diet and I don't know, probably predominantly raw for like 30 years right now, yeah. you're you're on the cusp of turning 72. Mm-hmm. You're like I said earlier, you're just you're radiating positivity. Your skin is insane. <laughs> like it's crazy that you're 72, like you just you look like, I don't know, you look like you're 36 or something and you're totally jacked. You got like veins coming out of your arm. You can do push-ups all day. <laughs> and on Instagram, you're sharing these videos of you doing your exercise routine. Mm-hmm. And it's very inspiring and it's very empowering, like reframing how we think about aging and having this conversation around longevity and the relationship between the choices that we make, mm-hmm. the things that we put in our body, the the choices we make about how we interact with other people. Like it's more than just, oh, here's a salad. It's about that self-love piece. It's about exuding love. It's about like, how are you being of service? How are you oh. contributing? All of these things that you're about without being preachy, you're just a, an example. And they say, like in the parlance of recovery, you can't transmit something you haven't got. In other words, you can't be, you can't be an example of something if you're not actually living it yourself or you haven't like intuited all of those habits and you so clearly do that in a beautiful way. And I think that's the real power in your message. Yes, of course, the restaurant and all of that, but you now have this platform where you can talk about these things. And I think it really, you know, I know for myself even, it really helps you rethink about what our relationship is to getting older and what that means. Mm, The beauty of it, the beauty of the aging process. And after that's this entire journey to be able to say that I'm 72 and enjoy each and every moment of um, my time on this planet in this form, um, it's just amazing. And I'm so grateful to life 
I really am. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to do what it is that I do mm. and love it so much. Wow. You said a mouthful there. Well, well, let's let's walk really me through the fitness that routine. I want to know. First of all, you don't sleep. I, I, we can <laughs> talk about that. Like I read that you get up at like 2.30 in the morning. But I go so to bed. So I don't bed. know about that. I go to bed at six, <laughs> Okay, well, I go to bed go. at six, come on. All right, I, they I get, left that part out. I get plenty of rest, Good. trust. And I'm very, very still and quiet at home most of the time. I'm, I'm to myself, I live alone, mm. I enjoy that. But yeah, I, I usually wake up between 1.30 and two. And usually I just get up because then, you know, I'm, I'm getting myself ready if I'm gonna go work out with Shabnam or um, uh, go to the restaurant that day. I just get my day started early. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, the energy, my energy is just off the roof. So I'm, you know, ready to go. But um, to be able to, um, to be able to share that and let people know that, man, part of part of the whole self-loving thing is to be a part of all of this, to be able to move. You know, if 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 I want to run a hill, I can run a hill. I don't want to have a life alert. I don't I don't want to get in the bathtub and can't get out. Uh-huh. So I force myself to take baths sometimes. I'm not always taking showers. Make sure you can get your butt out the tub. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's the whole thing when you get older. It's all about like if you fall down and you can't and get And you can't up. get that's right. that's what people need to really understand. Now, of course, sometimes we have accidents that, you know, it's not any fault of our own, but uh, when we just sit down and just let it go, that's generally what will happen to you. You lose mm-hmm. strength. And a, a, another thing that I, I, I think is I'm not a superficial person. I, um, I enjoy the aging process. I don't look like I looked when I was 60. You know what I mean? But however it is, however this look is going to be, as I age, I embrace it. Because just think, I've lived an entire lifetime looking different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's not a bad thing to have the, the crow's feet. I, I, don't, I don't care to use anything to get rid of that. I'm okay with it. I, I wanna see what it's gonna be. I saw one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen before. She had lines like in this table, but she was beautiful. She was beautiful, and if just to experience- Because she owned it, and she's she comfortable with it, who and she, she is, and yeah. Oh, she was just gorgeous, and that is how we should all be, because it's each step of the journey that we embrace and appreciate. Mm-hmm. And don't, you know, I can't wear the bushy eyelashes. I'm a little bit too old for that. That don't work <laughs> on this face. <laughs> But you did, when you turned 70, you posted these, you did like a bathing suit shoot, oh, right? Oh, remember the bathing suit And that went bananas and like when everybody it was sharing did. that and all it, of that. It right? went crazy. Yeah. That one went that crazy. That was an, another like inflection point yeah. in your, your, your kind of story arc, right? Yeah, people really, really <laughs> love that. I got a little bold the next year and did bikinis and stuff. But this year <laughs> I am gonna do a, a beautiful um, 
photo of myself, but um, you'll see. It, it'll be, but no yeah. more bathing suits. So I'm good for that. I still have my little calendars. I wasn't able to give them all away. And now it's the end of the year. You so made like a bathing suit calendar? Man, yes, I should have brought you one. <laughs> Hang it up over here. Oh man, we got to get you, you one, Rich. One. We got to right. get you one. Yeah. So I, I still want to go through like the day in the life, the 2.30 wake up, the what is the routine? I know you go to the restaurant quite early, but like walk me through a day in the life of like food, fitness, being okay. a chef. Especially if I'm working that day and working out that day. So I get up around to um, take care of myself, pull out my um, paint gun and spray paint the face. Once I got her all beat up and wrap my hair, then I'm out of, the, but I do have this to admit, I got a little OCD, so everything has to be exactly right in the house. I can't stand hair in the bathroom. Uh-huh. That's goofy, but... but but I, once everything is exactly the way I want it to be, so when I come home, I come home to what I left. Mm -hmm. Then I head over to the restaurant and I prep generally from like four in the morning until we open. Wow. I do all the cooking right now. And sometimes I think I'm just, you need to find yourself a chef. I'm too old for this, but. <laughs> That's a hard. <laughs> in a restaurant, man. That's Relentless. Work. It's work, sweetheart. You and are you're never doing done. all of it. You're, you don't have sous chefs and no, 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 mm. no. I the one chef that I had there, uh, she's working in Arizona now. She had to move. I loved her. She was awesome, but she's gone. And then COVID hit, so we let everybody go. Right. So it's, it's me now. It's gotta be coming back now. It's me. <laughs> no, yeah. it's coming back <laughs> after this goes up. We're gonna get some new people over there, and I know. And, and then you know, pad the bank account a little bit yeah, and hire some yeah, help. Yeah, there you go, hire some help. But yeah. right at the moment, I'm responsible. As a matter of fact, I was working before I came here today. I worked all day yesterday because I had been out of town for a while, traveling, and um, so yeah, I, I worked all day yesterday and went in there, and they still had a list for me this morning. So I completed the list, came over here, and uh, the rest of the day is mine. Right. I think we have a Zoom call today. But typically, call, are but you in? You know, when you're not doing podcasts, you're you're yeah, in the restaurant I, all I'm, day, and I, then you. I'm in the restaurant usually till noon, um, and then. Uh, if if my trainer can um, see me after I'm out of the restaurant, I'll go over there, get about an hour workout on with her, mm -hmm. uh, stop by Rainbow Acres, get all my goodies, and then go back to the house and um, enjoy Babette for the rest of the evening. Yeah. I live a very simple life. I'm careful about the energy that comes into my space because of what I've been through. Mm -hmm. I understand, I'm very, very careful. And now I pay attention to signs, whereas as, as a kid, you know, something would be presented to me and I'd be like, eh, it's not that big a deal, I can handle that. No, no, I pay attention to the signs mm -hmm. now um, because I'm responsible for me. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, 
politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. So how do you work through what you say yes to and what you say no to? Well, um, if it doesn't... If it doesn't feel right, I'm real big on not hurting. I don't, I don't want to create pain for anybody. Uh, I don't like messy. I don't want to be involved in anything where it's going to be messy and somebody's going to wind up getting, I don't, I know, I don't want, I, I'm not into hurting. I, I, that's not what I'm about. And if I hurt you, let me know because I am the first to humbly apologize to you. That is not my purpose here to inflict pain. Mm-hmm. So um, at, at my age, I take control. I take control of me. And then if I'm not in the restaurant, maybe a trainer has, has time for me at eight o'clock in the morning. I hit it right over there to my trainer. We get a cool workout on and the rest of the day is mine. Most of the times I'm busy on Zooms or mm-hmm. you know doing something nowadays. But uh, I have a very, very simple, beautiful life right now. Yeah. Yeah. But the fitness routine, Ugh. that's basically like strength training. That's everything. You're in the gym mm-hmm. and some hiking or stairs, mm-hmm. you like to do the stairs Whatever. and stuff like that, but it's pretty now, basic stuff. I had stuff. a torn groin, so I hadn't been really doing too much of the hike because I'm a, a part of a docu-series in Houston, Texas. And um, we were, we, <laughs> I, I was feeling good from the, I, I didn't feel like I still had the tear. And we went to the track. When we got to the track, the sister was sprinting. And I was like, yeah, I feel really good. So I got up there and, and all the athletes um, were like, no, no, chef, you haven't stretched. You haven't. I got out there and I, <laughs> by the time I got to the end, I had to limp Uh-oh. back. I, yeah, at our, you, you know how that, You bit. know how a groin tear will do. You're, it takes a long, a long time. A long, long time. A long time. Yeah, yeah. So we've been very careful, my trainer and I, going forward, not to stretch that too much. And I, stairs, I love stairs. And uh-huh. you know I love running heels. I just posted a video when we were in St. Martin of me 
hitting a heel. I just love movement. I love knowing that I can move. I love that. I've often thought if something ever happened and I was the only person that could get to help, even at my age, mm-hmm. I know I'm in shape enough to do that. Right. That's and important. maintaining that is so yes. key, especially mm-hmm. as you get older and it's harder to, yeah, like the, the gym stuff becomes really important. I started with one push-up, and every day I would add a push-up. And uh, <laughs> if I couldn't add a push-up, I'd do the numbers that I'd done the day before. But I tell people that, I tell women that, start with one, mm-hmm. inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yeah, whether it's push-ups or anything. Anything. That's, that's the way you do yes. anything. Yeah. It's by starting with one. Starting with one. Like I have to do at least 72 push-ups on my birthday. So I'm gonna do it in the restaurant. Anybody that wants to come to the restaurant and hang out and either get down there and do some push-ups with me, maybe I'll give you a taco. Uh-huh. Especially free tacos. Free taco, especially. I'll give you two tacos if you can do all 72 with <laughs> yeah. me. This is why you can't hire somebody to help you in the restaurant. You're giving away too much stuff. <laughs> That's my husband. You yeah. sound like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I figured like this, if somebody suggested to me because I was doing sets of 25 and someone said, you know, I, I can do that many, but I do sets of 10. And then I thought, that's a lot easier because the, the, the time between sets is only like a minute or two versus yeah. three to four minutes when I'm doing sets of 25. So I'm going to do sets of 10. I might even get push out 100, honey. Yeah, well, if you break it down into sets of 10, then it's easier to build and exactly. improve. Exactly, yeah. yeah, so. There you go. Um, yeah, tell me about the docu-series. Okay, check this out. This is another thing that's so exciting. I'm in two series right now. How do you get to be 70 years old and then somebody invites you to be a part in the series? Now, the one series is called the Right Turn series. I'm so excited. I play myself pretty much in that. And that's probably coming out towards the end of the year. Um, but then the uh, heart and soul of a champion is uh, Dr. Baxter Montgomery, who uh, is a board certified cardiologist. And he's healing people through diet and exercise, mm. literally. He has a raw food restaurant in his practice. So when his patients come in, and I mean patients with like taking 15, 16 different meds, yeah. number levels all off the chart, and he puts them on a raw diet, and guess what? They don't even have to go home and cook. You just go to his kitchen and they'll bag you up. <laughs> Your meal. And they, he has this in his in medical his practice? In his medical yeah, wow. practice. We were this just- This guy's in Houston, right? It's in Houston. Yeah. We were just at um, a gala uh, event that he put on and um, very um, beautiful um, doctors came to speak. We had John Sally there. Um, I love John. Yeah. Um, uh, there was another doctor there that I just fell in love with. I can't, Ken Williams. Oh, I know. Oh, Kim Williams. Kim Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, yeah. incredible. But He's yeah. Former president of the American Association of Cardiologists. Smart yeah. as can be. And he laid it out at that gala. And um, just the fact that everybody that I was responsible for interviewing our guests as they came in, everybody's story the same, Rich healing 
from food and movement, Mm -hmm. healing really, really, really chronic illnesses. And they're all like in tears because Dr. Baxter Montgomery practicing medicine that's healing people through diet. Mm. It's just incredible. Beautiful. Yeah. And this docu-series includes, um, you got athletes. You remember Green, um, what's his name? Um, He was the fastest runner. um, Yeah. Sprinter? Yeah, he he was running football, football oh, player. NFL player? Yes. Which green? green. Do you Daryl Green. green. Daryl Green. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. He was there. Uh just several different athletes. And the the docuseries shows you how they came in and how he got them within a few right. weeks. Get their numbers down and all that kind of stuff. You know yeah. how it goes. As soon as you start, the human body mm-hmm. just starts to heal. If you're consistent and if you're true, isn't it incredible? Isn't it such? It's just so intelligent. It knows what to do. It does. You treat it right. Give it. Yeah. Now look, remember you gave me this because my eye was tearing. My body always tells me when I've gotten, uh, I've been a little out. I I went to St. Martin for some days and I came back and we had to go to uh, Houston and then I wound up in Vegas. You know that whole travel Mm -hmm. thing. This eye gets inflamed if I'm, it's time to fast, in other words. Now, once I fast, and I'll probably do the master cleanse because um, I'm gonna go hard on the cayenne pepper and the lemon and, and that sort of thing. Within a week's time, all this tearing will subside. Been there, done that. Interesting. In, very interesting, and very is, interesting. You do that a couple times a year, oh, right? Oh, I have to. Yeah. I, I do it like about, I usually do three to four times a year. Now, Master Cleanse, this Master Cleanse is, I'm going hard on this one because I really need that's to reduce the That's the cayenne pepper, maple, maple syrup. syrup. And the lemon juice. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, hardcore. That one's serious. Yeah. But it works. It really does work. As a matter of fact, I can remember the first time doing that. And all of a sudden after day four, I could smell everything. I was like, Whoa. I'm smelling everything now. It's it's an incredible cleanse. Wow. Incredible cleanse. Have you ever played around with intermittent fasting? I or do doing that. Like, yeah, that's my it. thing. Okay. That's right. my thing. That's how I roll. So what does that I, I look like look, for you? I don't even weigh myself. I was telling Shabna, I just make sure I keep that separation between my thighs. <laughs> Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm good to I go. I when, <laughs> I'm good to go. I don't need okay. a scale. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm still good here. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. I don't know if what, I answered uh, you. <laughs> where, where is the docuseries going to air? Um, I would have to, I think towards the end of the year. Uh-huh. I think the first episodes are getting ready to for do you know where, where I don't I gonna, don't you know, have uh-huh. that information but we'll yeah. definitely get Dr. it back to you Baxter Baxter Montgomery yeah brilliant I want to brilliant that guy out. brilliant yeah, Houston it's, cool. it's interesting that you know with all the the documentaries what the health and all that kind of thing and the the explosion of interest in the plant based lifestyle and the number of plant based restaurants and food products and the level of education has expanded. I mean, it's, you know, compared to 2008 when yeah. you opened your restaurant mm-hmm. and, you know, that's kind of when mm-hmm. I was starting yeah, to get it's going to. It's a thing that mm-hmm. it wasn't back then, but still people have difficulty wrapping their head around really getting on board. Even seeing you at 72 banging out the push-ups and with your skin and, you know, rocking the attitude and like the whole thing, they're like, 
yeah, but like, where am I gonna get my protein? How's this gonna work? Like, I, I, I don't, maybe, maybe, you know, Babette is some crazy outlier and it's not <laughs> possible for me. Like, so how do you think about and communicate with that person? First of all, we're all animals. We're part of the human species. We're all the same, period. If it works for me, it will work for you. Self-love, self-care, period. Educate yourself because knowledge is power. Don't walk around here being ignorant and saying ignorant things and keeping yourself in an ignorant space. There's so much knowledge out here to be gained. All those documentaries that you mentioned, do you know how many times I've watched What the Health and I always see something that I missed? I just try to stay knowledgeable because I know that this lifestyle, this side of the tracks has done me good. Mm -hmm. So I wanna know more and more and more. I can't change anybody's mind, but I can be an example and maybe somebody will change their mind. Now, I don't know how quickly any of this change is gonna happen for the masses. We may not even be here. Mm But I do know it's not just about the one species on the planet. It's about the whole. It's about our home. It's like you got to at least understand that the climate is changing because we're too hot. So, And that is primarily because of what we are doing. And our obsession with money and power and greed When the planet goes for me, it goes for you too. Mm -hmm. You understand? So I don't care how much money you have. You can jet off into outer space if you want to. But if you don't know how to take care of this home, you're not going to know how to take care of that home either. So my thing is you better educate yourself and you better understand where protein comes from. All the different sources. As a matter of fact, here's the old 72-year-old telling you youngsters out there, Google it. (laughs) okay google it um i love that you're extreme like you're just like i'm done with that i'm over here now right like i that's the way i function most people don't function that way they're like i need a little well i'm Mm -hmm. gonna try this and Mm -hmm. dabble around in this Mm -hmm. takes them a little bit longer everybody's different Mm -hmm. and you as a as an, as an example or as somebody who's trying to like lead or hold somebody's hand, you have to be patient with that as well. I could still be crawling around on the forest yeah. smoking cornbread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I well, was stuck. The other thing though also is that, you know, your entry point was your own personal health yes. as it was for me. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about, you know, healing the planet and our collective responsibility yes. to, you know, shoulder, you know, what we have to do to, prevent catastrophe, that's a, a realization that only comes in time with this starting point of yeah. being, and, and you know, look, personal health, you can characterize that as sort of selfish. Like I just care what I wanna feel like and et cetera. So somebody who says to you, yeah, but I like my chicken or it's like, you know, it's about my personal choice and what I want, right? And mm-hmm. then the retort of course is, listen, you know, the, the planet's burning. We need to understand like how we're manufacturing our food and the downstream implications of that on, you know, CO2 emissions and all these other things that, you know, are, are part and parcel of the consumer choices that we're making every day. Yeah, and we, we are responsible for those choices, even us in the restaurant, plastic. 
plastic is over mm-hmm. the top. Yeah, it's crazy. And and it's hard to get around that it, because it's very if you difficult. wanna put a product out into the world or your, yes. your vendors are sending you stuff and everything is like, and it's there's plastic. no other way of doing it. Exactly. Like you kind of have to figure out how to do your best with a terrible situation. But that's where you as the individual, you've got to take responsibility. Mm. That is why I'm not crawling around looking for cocaine rocks. It's because my mother, if she didn't teach me anything, else. She taught me responsibility. She did teach me that. And um, it w- it used to be all about me, but I'm one with all of it. Mm. So once I began to understand my oneness with the whole, then it, it wasn't just all about me. Yeah. Part of that speech comes out in your... Uh your browbeating of of Howard Schultz and that Starbucks. Oh my like, PSA. It's yeah. like dude. You did that with Dotsie, right? It's really? for good. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But Yeah, so talk about that. The yes. campaign uh, to get because Starbucks upcharges for their plant based milks, but they don't for their dairy. They additives. they give away the creamer. You can take as much creamer as you want. And and no extra charge. But you're gonna charge me for a plant based Alternative, mm-hmm. I can't do dairy. I'm one of your customers that cannot do dairy. Not just because I'm vegan, I can't do it. Lactose intolerant. Exactly. Yeah. So you require me to pay more for the plant-based option as wealthy as you are? Give a little, just give a little for the whole, do that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a you I'll put I, it's on YouTube. I'll link it up in the show notes. Man. It's pretty good. Has there been any movement there? Any any response? You, official you, response from you know, Starbucks? You know they just got in touch with me today on doing something else with them. I was like, Starbucks you know what did? the heck? Or no, switch, uh, for switch for good. Oh, I said, okay. you know what? I'm down. Whatever we can do, whatever I can say, what are they gonna do to an old lady? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what do you need me That's to say? That's the good thing about getting older is you start to just not give a fuck. You don't care. Anymore, You don't right? care, no, yeah. no. Because I know that what I'm saying and what I'm offering is truth and it's for the good of all. I'm not over there putting out bullshit. Uh-huh. I'm telling you the truth through my experiences and I'm sharing that with you, listen or not, but. But no, no voicemail from Howard yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was kind of hoping maybe, maybe I could get a little, you know. But yeah. no, they haven't heard anything. There's an interesting on this subject of of kind of expanding your consciousness. You change your relationship with food. You're bringing a different vibration into your body. You start to, you know, raise your, you know, awareness of other things that maybe you've been told earlier that aren't quite correct and you start to question some paradigms out there, whether it's the food pyramid or you know ideas around what's good for you and what's not good for you. Obviously that leads you into an awareness of you know how we're treating all these animals with how we're raising them for food. And it's not a big leap from that into you know kind of justice more broadly, right? So how do you think about like, your relationship with food and the, and and sort of the movement around that with respect to you know the the animal rights issue and also just food justice more broadly. Well, in terms of especially with uh, in terms of the animal rights, um, we don't have the capacity to serve animals and their byproducts to the masses. We're failing at that. 
We just don't have the capacity. When you think about animal waste um, and our water and our air and all of those things, when you think, when you make that connection, you realize we don't have the capacity. We are, we have, not we are, we have failed when it comes to producing animals for food. We failed. Um, we're failing our health, individual health. We're failing the health of our planet. We're killing off sentient beings that want to have a life, that deserve to enjoy their experience, if you will. We kill elephants for tusk. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And so we feel like we kill enough of them. So if, we, if they die off, we got these tusks we can sell. What is wrong with you? It's so, it's so selfish in the way that we, we think and live. We're very, very selfish. And we don't have a problem hurting others to be that way. And it's, for me, it just... Um, it's painful to watch, but at the same time, as an individual, I have to do my part and speak my truth. Um, I hope that's answering part mm-hmm. of your of your. Yeah, I mean, that. certainly, you know, we've we've created in this factory farming industrial complex that <sighs> we've you know created a, a highly unsustainable and, and toxic industry that is you know, slaughtering and, and torturing billions of animals every year. If there's one thing that it does successfully, it creates a situation in which that animal uses the least amount of resources and is on the planet as shortly as possible to blow it up and turn it into food. But the byproducts, the waste, mm. it's an intolerable situation and it's just, I think it's you know toxic on a soul level too, because we've normalized it and we turn a blind eye to it. And we just say, well, this is what we need to do to feed ourselves and we all need to eat. But I think there's, you know, in the, in the you know, background of our consciousness, we all know that it's deeply wrong, right? It's so and wrong. so how does that kind of erode, you know, how we feel about ourselves as a species, I guess, right? And if we can't resolve that within ourselves, how do we then you know, treat our brothers and sisters oh. with the highest respect and regard? You're right. And that right there sounds like self-love to me. If you don't love you, you can't love outside of you. And that's what I think is happening because I love me. So I'm gonna find out what caused the eczema, what caused the asthma? And I stay clear of those things because now I don't wanna hurt me, the individual, by ingesting those things that are gonna cause me issues. That's practicing some self-love right there. But if you don't care to find out the truth about what you should be ingesting as a human, then that means you have very little love for you. And so you sure as heck are not gonna have too much love for anybody else and especially animal. Now you gonna love that dog. You gonna love that dog or cat. Mm -hmm. That dog and that cat better not touch that dog or that cat. But the hell with a pig, cow, chicken Mm -hmm. (laughs) or turkey. So it's like, or fish, what are we doing? We go out and we catch all these fish and all we want is tuna. So what do we do with the rest of the fish? Dump them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So 
It's us, individually. Each and every one of us has to determine what is important to me about the gift of life, what is truly important to me. And being amongst, I, I went to Yellowstone one year. It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. And to see all of nature just walking around doing them, you know what I mean? Not bothering anybody. I went to Kenya, same thing. Just, mm. just seeing nature. But then I can look at a documentary and see chickens housed in and warehouses and pigs and people in the community being sick from the waste. And each and every one of us has to change that. And we have to demand change, but we have to know why we need to change. And, and that's, it's like lifting weights. Especially the you gotta real, get up and do it every get day. Those real heavy right? ones when you just gotta get stronger yeah. and stronger and stronger. Yeah. Embrace work that has no end. I love life and, and I'm embracing the love of life and all life on this planet. Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, Man, I just I need some of that energy in my life. Mm. Like I'm inspired by what Babette has to share. Um, I, I know that I haven't been practicing self-love and I haven't been taking care of myself or I haven't been you know, eating the high vibration foods and I just don't know how to start or where to begin. Like, how do you guide that person? What's the first step to catalyze that trajectory? Well, first of all, I, I, I just share with them, it's everything that you ate you just omit this, this, and this. That is why we have the menu that we have. Tacos, burritos, quesadillas. You know what I'm saying? It's, a, it's one of those soul food. I make sweet potato pie. Mm -hmm. I just don't use a dozen eggs in it like my mama did. You know, I figured out how arrowroot powder works. You know what I'm saying? So you, I can still have sweet potato pie. I can still have the mac and cheese. So my share to them is you don't have to really omit anything but death, that's the only thing I'm asking you to stop ingesting. And just, they have so many vegan recipes now. I will go, if I wanna make something, cause I'm not a self, I'm a, a trained chef. I'm, you know, come, come out the kitchen at home and took it to a restaurant. But I can look up recipes, I'll play with them and make them my own. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Now. For those in, who, who live in areas and they can't get out, they, you know, like you said, the food deserts. I, I made a post one time. I wasn't trying to be funny. I, I went to Vaughn's, which is a, a place right by the restaurant, and I went in with my phone and I was in the produce section. And I said, hey, you guys, you see all this? This is food. This is real food. I, I just shot every, oranges, apples, potatoes, everything. And I said, too much of this is what we eat. And I went over to the cracker section. Mm -hmm. You just say the whole rest of the market. <laughs> I could know, have like. said that for sure. But I went over to the cracker section and there was something on a box of Cheez-Its that I had never seen before because I don't buy this product. But I went to the ingredients because too many times people are looking at the nutritional facts and they avoid the ingredients. I don't personally care to eat anything or ingest anything if I can't, I don't know what it is. If I, I don't know what the word is, I can't even say it. I, I don't know if I should be eating that. Um, I kind of like words like apple, orange, broccoli, 
Those words I got. And on the box of Cheez-Its, it had in very light black writing that it was bioengineered. It's not even real. It's a food-like substance that they've created in a laboratory. Now, when I started that video, but then I had, I got feedback from a couple of people like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, some of us live in areas where that's all we have. And you you don't want to come off insensitive and be like, that's when we need to get some planting pots and go to Costco or uh, Home Depot and pick up, they have organic seeds now. And sometimes we need to start planting our own food. If you're living in an area where you can't get too fresh food, sometimes you have to take the responsibility of planting your own food and feeding yourself. Now, But it's a lot, I mean, you, you know that's a lot to ask, especially people in that community are working multiple jobs. And, and, you and know, some of them don't Now you're even, asking them like, now I gotta grow it myself too? Some of them are still where I was thinking that everything they sell in whatever supermarket is okay mm-hmm. to eat because the government gave the okay. And I I have to remember that as well. I was there. I thought anything in the supermarket was a-okay. And there are tons of people out there just like me and living in food deserts. Who's the guy, I'm looking him up right now, the, the guy in LA, Ron, Who's the urban gardener? Who's taking? Who's, oh yeah, you know who I'm know talking him. about. Yes, What's his name? Course. I'm forgetting uh, his last name. Bennett. Uh, I forgot his last uh, name. Is it Bennett? Oh, Ron Finley. Finley. Ron yeah, Finley. I know Ron yeah, Finley. Yeah, yeah. I know like him. taking over vacant lots. Yeah. What he and what he did was he planted uh, right at his curbside. He was planting food, and people could come by and pick whatever they wanted. That's how he got started. Yeah. And the city tried to give him flack for that. Right. You can't. Try to shut him you, down. You have to put grass out it. here. They should be giving him yeah, money to do it. Thank you, to do it. <laughs> yeah. And they try to shut him down with that. But that's, he that's go- not still the case though, is it? Uh, no, I think yeah. he, he- No, he's he, done he, a massive yeah. TED talk. He, he and did like, okay. Right. He did okay after the TED talk. But we need talk, more of that. We need much more of that. But that's my point. Can government get out of the way and allow us to nourish ourselves? Because you're not. You said it's okay to put those crackers in the store. Oh, this is the best part of that. I got home, my granddaughter was living with me and she has a, a little two-year-old. I looked on top of my refrigerator, those same Cheez-Its <laughs> were in my apartment and she had been giving them to her child, mm-hmm. the same ones. And that is what I mean. We're so wrapped up in ignorance, not knowing. And of course I had to share that. These crackers are in my house and I just made a video about these darn things. But um, yeah, we just, I don't know, sweetheart. I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. I share when I can share and because I don't want to come off as mean or cranky or I got it all together because I don't. But um, educate yourself. Right. Well, you're doing your part. You know, I think what you're doing is beautiful. I think that you should have like your own cooking show on network television. Like go. I, you know, more Babette out there, right? More and Babette. like why you, I know you have this cashew book, but you should have like a full blown cookbook. You must be working on that. You know what, Chef is, I have a another book that has been written for at least two years. It's called um, Stuff Your Stuff. And what I've done is I've taken 
portobello mushrooms, uh, bell pepper, the huge uh, tomatoes, mm-hmm. and uh, potatoes. And uh, I've made a different stuffing for each one of those four, for like four mushrooms, four. And they're absolutely delicious. All I need to do is just write the book. I yeah. have all the recipes all down, ready to go. I just haven't written the book. Well, I've you been, get up at two in the morning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're busy though, but I'm sure you got to squeeze out time to, to I finish need to get that, that book right? out. I, I see that's motivation. Thank you. Yeah. Motivating me. And I think, you know, you need like some kind of fitness challenge that brings the community in. Like I know you like, hey, on my 72nd birthday, I'm gonna do 72 right. push-ups. But um, I think there's a lot of people out there that you know are enjoying what you have to offer, they and are. to make that analog, like something in Griffith Park or something you know that's community-based, where people could actually come out and do the workouts with you. You know, I've thought about it. Yeah, you know, I have. And and right now, because I'm so responsible for prepping all the food in the restaurant, and my time is. Can I get you help? You need infrastructure. I do, honey. Because your a... your shit's going like this. It's I scaling, do... <laughs> you know. But you got to figure out how to surround yourself with people who can do the things that you can delegate, yeah. so that you can be you. Yeah. Because the world needs I more agree. of you. I agree. Yeah. I love you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let me know how I can help out with that. Okay, I will. Anyway, um, any last thoughts here before we wrap this up? Well, just um, I wanna thank you so very much for having me on. I'ma tell you a little secret. Now, Shab not probably already blabbed her mouth, but Shab said, get in touch with Rich Roll. And I was like, he's not gonna even read my message, come on. And, no, uh, no, no. and she said, try it, just reach out. And when you responded to me. Well, what was funny is I had been at the gala and I was like, oh, I'm getting her on. And I might've mentioned it to somebody or whatever. So I was like, I was getting ready to send you a message. And then you sent one to me, like literally that day I was gonna ping you. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. So I thought maybe somebody told you like, oh, Rich wants to get in touch Mm -mm. with you. No, it was Shabnam that that my Mm. trainer that that told me, get in touch with him. And I said, he's not gonna read, man. Do you know how many people try to get in touch with me and I don't even see? She said, I bet you he will, just try it. And when I reached out and I've never done a backflip in my life. I almost did one after I said almost. Surprised (laughs) you knew what I was doing or who I was because I I had just seen you and I was like, this is great. Oh my, but I just want to say thank you for what you're doing too. Your podcast is off the chain. I love it. I always just, I was so excited about coming on because Mm. just the way you speak, it just, it felt so comfortable and I knew I was going to have a good time here. But for my brothers and sisters on the planet, Try it, try embracing love, starting with yourself. And then don't worry about anything other than the fact that you are an expression of the greatness that created all of this. Be the best expression you can possibly be. Beautifully put. Anyway, I think that's a good way to end it. Yeah, how do you feel? We did it. Wonderful. I think we did pretty good. We did good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you feel good? We friends, we, we I family now. <laughs> I gotta get you out of here before your bedtime too. <laughs> you did not, yeah. you did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to bed at like 8.30 and I thought I was a lunatic. So you got me beat. 
<laughs> All right, baby. All right, we'll come back and talk to me again sometime. All right, much love. <laughs> you too. Peace. Plants. Yeah. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links and resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at richroll.com where you can find the entire podcast archive as well as podcast merch, my books, Finding Ultra, Voicing Change in the Plant Power Way, as well as the Plant Power Meal Planner at meals.richroll.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube and leave a review and or comment. Supporting the sponsors who support the show is also important and appreciated. And sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media is of course, awesome and very helpful. And finally, for podcast updates, special offers on books, the meal planner, and other subjects, please subscribe to our newsletter, which you can find on the footer of any page at richroll.com. Today's show was produced and engineered by Jason Camiolo with additional audio engineering by Kale Curtis. The video edition of the podcast was created by Blake Curtis with assistance by our creative director, Dan Drake. Portraits by Davy Greenberg, graphic and social media assets courtesy of Daniel Solis, Dan Drake, and AJ Akpodiete. Thank you, Georgia Whaley for copywriting and website management. And of course, our theme music was created by Tyler Pyatt, Trapper Pyatt, and Harry Mathis. Appreciate the love, love the support. See you back here soon. Peace, plants, namaste. <laughs>